Welcome to Valhalla, all of my friends and family. Mike Piper, how are you today, buddy? Man, let me tell you what. It's been a rough week. It's been a rough day for Tennessee fans. Sure uh, but overall, man, things are good. Life is good. I got a lot of good things coming my way. So I'm just trying to count my blessings, stay positive, and think mm-hmm. about everything but UT sports, to be honest. <laughs> That's all you can do, man. Big Thanksgiving week here. Uh, had, obviously, we everybody knows what's going on today. It felt like an absolute circus. Throughout the day, I'm just finding out more and more news via Twitter, via all of our friends up in Knoxville, just letting us know the news of this is canceled. This is being pushed out. This team is no longer playing this year. <laughs> like, uh, astonishing today, Mike Piper. Astonishing, buddy. Honestly, really a roller coaster of, of news in the Tennessee media circuit. I wasn't expecting everything that came out today between you know, the basketball team finding out they're probably not going to play until the middle of December. Um, and then, of course, the football team finding out their game got postponed. Um, Jeremy Pruitt had a press conference today as well. Some things came out of that. So it was it was pretty jam-packed as far as yeah. media goes revolving around Tennessee sports. And obviously, I mean, even for us, we had kind of built a schedule of what we were planning on talking about going into this upcoming weekend a lot of it centered around basketball because let's be honest, who wants to talk about football at length right now? Um, but anyway, it was obviously things changed and uh, here we are. So we can, we've got, we've got news to talk about. It just wasn't the news we were expecting to talk about. Yeah. Different day, man. It was uh, kind of wild. We've got a sweet guest coming on next week today. It's just one of those things. He was like, man, it, it was just a day. And we were like, we totally understand. <laughs> we'll hit it next week. Basketball is getting postponed. We'll figure it out. But as Mike Pop talked about, we've got football, all COVID-related, let's be honest, stuff getting pushed out. We'll talk about Auburn, talk about basketball, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen there, but we have, well, inclinations. But today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped. Wonderful stuff, baby. Mike and I, Got our stuff a couple weeks ago, and this is one of the best products on the market. You talk about those times like you're using those old ratty razors, trim yourself downstairs or upstairs on your chest, wherever, and it gets a little scary. You feel like you're performing some sort of surgery. Yeah. A little nerve wracking. You don't like that. Mm-mm. Well, Manscaped, they gave us this wonderful lawnmower 3.0, one of the best in the business, baby. Mm-hmm. Third generation trimmer. Designed for cutting-edge ceramic blades to reduce any sort of grooming accidents. Mm. And I'll tell you what, man. I've noticed that I've used it a couple times already, and the battery life thing on that is great. I mean, I've heard it lasts about an hour and a half, and I've used it, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 minutes so far. haven't even had to charge it. You can leave it in the shower because it's waterproof. Um, Mm -hmm. It's got that light on there, the LED light, so it kind of helps you see as you're Trimming your chest, trimming wherever. Um, but it's quiet too, man. Yeah, got seven thousand RPMs on that bad boy. Dude. It's like a lawnmower. It's crazy. It's lawnmower three point oh. Lawnmower three point oh. Uh, wow. Wonder how they came up with that one. Don't know. But see what you do there. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget about us. You know, talking about the charge, but you got to have that charging stand. Show off that mower loud and proud, baby. Mm-hmm. Because you know it looks nice. It's intelligent design. It's all powered by USB. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to me right now, 
I want you to experience it firsthand. Go in there, go to manscaped.com. Mm. You use promo code WTV20, abbreviations to welcome to Valhalla with 20 on the end of it. Yes. At manscaped.com. What do you get off there, Mike Piper? What do you get out of that? Well, you're going to get 20% off. You're going to get free shipping, um, all courtesy of our friends at Manscaped. They partnered with us. And again, that code is WTV20. So you're going to want that for, I mean, honestly, it'd be a really good Christmas gift. If you don't know what to get your man, um, then, hey, you know, pop on over to uh, Manscaped. Enter in that code WTV20. You'll get 20% off and free shipping. And honestly, it's one of those little, it could be a little to you from you gift if you've got a significant other in your life. He's going to be a little more well-groomed. He's going to enjoy taking care of himself. You're also probably going to enjoy that he's taking care of himself. So it's a win-win for all parties, everybody involved. Yeah, great gift for the holidays. Like my boy Mike said, take care of yourself, take care of you guys. Shout out to Manscaped. All right, so football. Let's talk about it first. Let's get right. the veggies out. Let's, let's get the, let's get let's get the veggies out of the way here, as uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson once said. Um, this weekend it was tough, man. It was really tough. I've never seen a team that can't carry momentum anywhere. Mm. I've really felt like their that first quarter was all a lot of Tennessee or all Tennessee, pretty much. Yeah. Everybody kind of played well. It looked like a good, decent drive. Missed field goal early, don't get me wrong, but also made one. You know, you're up 10 nothing. They're dynamic playmaker. Old Tank got 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 out taken out for a while. <laughs> and he's gonna be out for a little bit. Unfortunately, you know, wish him the best, but still, you know, their best playmaker's out. Ride that wave. Right. What the heck happened after that, Mike Piper? Man. I think really you can only point at two things that really, well, I don't say two things, three separate events, but two different aspects of the game that cost us the game. I saw the statistics and it might've been you that retweeted it, but um, you know, we outgained Auburn. We didn't lose the turnover battle. Um, We had a greater time of possession. Uh, Eric Gray was averaging like nine yards a touch. Like there was so many things really that were going pretty well for the team, but we missed two big kicks. And then, of course, Jarrett Garantano threw a pick six. And, you know, that right there, 13 points, we lost by 13. And so that was the difference in the game uh, for me. I, I honestly wasn't – I wasn't really completely discouraged by our play. I was obviously not, like, ecstatic with how we looked. We didn't look great. But at the same time, there were aspects of the game. I thought Eric Gray looked amazing. Like, he, he to me, looked like the best running back we've had since Alvin Kamara, Jalen Hurd. Um just looked electric and those cuts, man, the cuts were kind of reminiscent of almost like Cordero Patterson. He had that, that ability just to make those like sharp, mm-hmm. make guys miss maybe not quite as quick or as fast as Cordero, but um, really elusive and really, really good at just cutting and changing fields. So um, there were reasons to be optimistic overall. It's been a terrible season and obviously it's hard to say that I'm not super optimistic on Jeremy Pruitt. I'm not super optimistic because of the fact we still have JG at quarterback. Um, but yeah, for me, the difference in the game was the pick six and the two field goals. And I want to circle back to that pick six, but I want to hear your yeah. thoughts on the game as well. Uh, just disappointing in, the, in like a different facet because we were watching this game and you're a lot – 
looking at this defensive front, it's looking pretty solid. That defense played well. We caused that turnover. Um, Bryce got that nice pick. I thought that was a pretty, you know, when you forced Bo to make that throw and he, he gave him this falsified window and you could see he, you know, it was one of those, like he caught that in stride. So, you know, you had to come with a little bit of speed behind it. So well, Tom pick all that momentum really thought Jarrett actually, I mean, I understand it was a, I think it was like a nine yard run for the touchdown at the beginning, but that was the most athletic JJ's looked in a while. He looked confident. Like that's a little thing. Yep. He looked confident when he made that pull. He was like, Oh yeah, this is a touchdown. Right. That, you run a little different. You're not thinking about anything weird. You're not running around with a chicken, like a chicken with your head cut off. You know, it was just like, wow, it looked smooth. We looked good on that drive and defense was playing well. Um, Eric Gray has two over two. I think he had like 222 yards, all possession, all purpose yards. Sorry. And still come out with that kind of loss. And it was an ugly loss. Yeah. It's frustrating, man, because you're, you're wasting talent. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know how many people to blame because yes, Jarrett didn't have his best game, but he also didn't play terrible. Right. Um, and it was garbage time, but Bailey looked way more competent. He looked a little bit more confident. And I don't know, like, how do you, how do you, how do you read into that when it's all garbage time at that point, too? Right. I mean, so there's all sorts of frustrations built around this game going in, and it was an even more frustrating game because third quarter Tennessee is an absolute disaster. Yep. And it proved again. Because even at halftime, you can start to see that all that momentum was out after McCullough blew that blew that coverage, and you're like, oh, man, are you kidding me? Yeah. That's such a bad mistake. And then you get to the third quarter, and you just know what's going to happen. You, you look all, all across Twitter, you look across Facebook, everybody's like, oh, here comes the third quarter. Any sort of iteration of that was posted out on social medias from fans to reporters. Everybody knows. Everybody knows what's going to happen. In that second half, it happens every time. Yep. I and mean, it's, it, I, I tweeted out one thing is like, it's like Groundhog's Day every Saturday. <laughs> it really is, man. It's the same stuff every week. It really is. I didn't yeah. mean to catch off. What were you saying? No, no, you're good. That's all I was going to say. I, it's just like, it's tough to watch this every week and you know it's coming. And you just, these guys are so trained to do the same thing every week. <laughs> and it's for the worst. Yep. And I don't know how to get better. Do you? I mean, like, what, what's what needs to what's a what's the biggest concern right now? Man, is it just quarterback? I, I don't know. Yeah, I it's it's hard because I felt like honestly beyond outside the pick six and the two missed field goals, I felt like it was an okay game. It definitely wasn't an overwhelming game. It definitely wasn't a game that you were hoping for from a third year head coach like against an Auburn team that for me is pretty average like I don't there's nothing that I see saw on the game in Saturday where I was like man they really looked good in this area or this area or this area um, but at the same time we couldn't beat them we couldn't really do anything to try to get the upper hand um, but man I don't I don't really know what the what the right thing to do is or what the missing piece is for this team for this offense other than I think you just have to bench JG and I think that's where the entire fan base is at I think it's just kind of like if you're going to lose the season, if you're not going to be competitive, 
you know, we've lost five games in a row by double digits. It's the first time that's happened in like 130 years, program history. So at some point, you got to just try something else. You know, even if you feel like JG gives you the best chance to win, some of that is because of how much you've invested in him, you know? And so it's like, mm-hmm. if you were maybe to make that same investment in a backup quarterback for the last two seasons, then maybe Maurer gives you a better chance to win at this point. Or maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe Harrison Bailey would give you a better chance if you had started him earlier in the season. So, I don't know. It's it's a quandary for sure. I, I want to believe that uh, Jeremy Pruitt has the best interest of the program at heart. Um, but it's really really confusing and perplexing why we haven't seen a a change in the starting position at quarterback. I know, man, because I know I just, I just talked about it just a few minutes ago, but it was garbage time. But even in the face of pressure, it looked like Bailey wanted to make those throws. He was ready to play. Um, I don't know. Do you, I'm trying to get a read on it for as far as the team goes. How do you feel like, how do you feel most of the team, sways can you can you get any read on that do you think they would prefer anybody do you feel like you just you can see sometimes when a quarterback change is made I thought last year um when Maurer comes in at Georgia I thought there was a little more pep in everybody's step you know yeah it's like all right we, we made the right change I don't know if I've seen that yet from either side from any side that's really no in this argument because I don't know if I saw much different from Bailey and I didn't see it from Maurer I, I guess round two coming in to start I didn't really see that. Jarrett's, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know if everybody, anybody loves to play for anybody right now. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. I don't, I think you probably have a little bit of division within the team. I think Trey Smith came out in support of Jeremy Pruitt this week. I don't, did you get a chance to see that? It was, I was, what I saw was about a minute and 30 snippet. Um, yeah. But I thought that really spoke uh, volumes about the direction of the program. I mean, obviously to have a guy like Trey that most people would say, all right, he's probably the best ambassador the program has had in the last five to 10 years at the University of Tennessee as far as the man he is, the person he is, the way that he gives back to the community. So for him to come out and give an endorsement of the culture change that Jeremy Pruitt is trying to make within the program, to me tells me that there's still some room for hope that Jeremy Pruitt might be the guy. I'm definitely not holding my breath, but to have a guy like Trey Smith come out and make that endorsement when he obviously doesn't have to, he's probably got two or three games left at the university of Tennessee. He's going to go pro. He'll probably be a first or second round draft pick based on his athleticism and his strength. So I don't know. It's uh, it's, it's tough to know for certain about what the team is thinking, but what I would probably say is um, that, it's divided. And I don't think to me, Harrison Bailey didn't seem like he really had provided a spark for the offense when he came in. I mean, he played well, but I didn't get that same feeling that you got whenever Brian Maurer came in against Georgia. Like I I agree when he came in and played, like it did seem like the team was like fired up and ready to like rally behind him. I didn't get sense with Bailey. And I don't know if maybe it's just not his personality. Like he could be more of an Eli Manning kind of guy, a guy that's just laid back that he's, you know, just more conservative. He's not going to push the issue. He's not going to be your, probably your super vocal emotional leader, but I mean, a team can obviously work with that kind of guy at the helm because Eli Manning led the giants to, was it two, two super bowls. So yep, uh, he's got two ships. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. Um, but I, you know, I think Bailey could be the guy, but he definitely, 
he didn't necessarily impress me with his energy, but he did seem really calm, really cool, and really collected in the pocket, which might be what we need from our quarterback, considering we've had Garantano, who's been so erratic. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's definitely a need. I, at least just get some guy the experience. It's, I mean, it's going to be at least two weeks. So there's going to be another small fall camp, basically. I think that's how they treated it last two weeks. Was they said, hey, we're going to have something like a fall camp because of the COVID-stricken fall camp that we did actually have. Mm-hmm. So it needs to happen again. Um, Pruitt said it best. This team played really well from the 30 to 30. And then after that, it was just, just a disaster. So, ah, man, because you have such a dynamic running back right now in gray. And also, he's fallen off the wheels a little bit because of, I think, the success of gray. But Chandler's also a very good running back. He was leading the SEC for the first two weeks, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, and speaking of, that's another part. Whenever they lost, whenever Auburn lost Tank this week, that should have been this gleaming lot of like, all right, here we go. They just lost the number two all-purpose yards uh, leader in the SEC. Right. Like this, their playmaker's gone. They don't have a ton. Uh, they've got two or three guys that are really. Um, Schwartz is obviously dynamic. I mean, he's right. speed merchant, and Bo has his times. Of he's a good athlete. You saw it on that run, I think, on his first drive. Bo can get outside the pocket and do some things. Um, can make a decent throw every once in a while, but he can also throw some picks too. So I think that's the most frustrating part was I'm with you. I think especially with Tank gone, this team is meh yep. at best. Yep. And that's the thing that makes that big touchdown to Schwartz even more frustrating for me is I feel like you would have to have the defense understand that if there's one guy you have to key on on every play and make sure you – Every play. It's the guy that can run 100 yards or 100 meters or whatever it is in like 10.2 seconds. <laughs> like, he's the fastest guy in the SEC, and I don't understand how you have a blown – like if nothing else, you should be telling your safety, if somebody blows a coverage, make sure he does not get behind you. Like yeah, it wasn't anything like a crazy complicated route just a straight go route and our guys literally didn't even account for him. So hmm. for me, there's things like that, that I don't know if the football is just too complicated, if the play calls are too complex, but at some level, I mean, if you're playing pickup as a kid, you, everybody knows, all right, I can't let the receiver get behind me if I'm playing defense and I'm playing safety. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's simple. It's basics. And it's things like that that are so frustrating to watch. Same thing for the BYU game last year. I mean, you exact know, same thing. I was literally probably going to go that route. Yeah. Go ahead. You know that you can't get beat. Like, it, and it's, it was even worse than BYU because it's like the end of the game. They have, you know, less than a minute to score. And so in that case, like, it shouldn't even be a question, shouldn't even be a doubt. There should literally be one thought in your mind, and it's, I can't get beat behind me. I can't give up a touchdown. I can keep the play in front of me. If I give up 15, 20 yards, fine, but I'm not going to get beat for a touchdown. And so in that context is a little bit more frustrating, but even still like as a safety, that's rule number one, don't get beat behind me. And mm-hmm. for that to happen, Oh, it's, it's just frustrating. Cause it makes you wonder, I mean, if they can't even get that aspect, right. How are we going to be successful in the long term? Exactly. And, and I hate to say it, but I, I do think this secondary really f- fell off. And I mean, 
really fell off. Yep. Considering I thought that was going to be probably the best overall aspect of this defense. Yep. Um, and we've got supposedly defensive-minded head coach yep. who was a secondaries coach. Right. And that's one thing that this was supposed to be pride-ridden on was this how good the secondary coaching could be. And at times you've seen flashes with Bryce and with others all along that defensive front, Abernathy. I mean, anybody you can think of. Everybody got better, and then all of a sudden it stopped. Mm-hmm. And you're like, golly, bum, man. I mean, I know I know McCullough. I mean, you know, he, he had a – it's a bad miss. That's a bad read. And those do happen. I get that. They're college kids. But that was – because it's it'd be different if it was some other random third, you know – slot guy that just has a burner mentality every once in a while. You're talking about the fastest guy and their most dom- dynamic playmaker by far now. Right. With Tank, with, Tank, with Tank gone, he's it. He's number one pride and joy throughout this game. You know where it's going. And like you said, that's just got to be one of those things that you should always be thinking in the back of your mind. Hey, there he is. <laughs> Yep. Cover that guy. Yep. Kind of, kind of keep a keep a side eye on him, even if it's not exactly in your zone. You got to know it's coming. So that's the thing that's the most frustrating part. There's just little coaching things that there's the lack of organization on the field is so frustrating sometimes. Yep. So frustrating, and people aren't assignment pickups, whether that be on offensive line, whether that be you know wide receiver stuff, timing. What you see from great teams. You don't have any of it from Tennessee. And that's a lot of little things because I think, you know, through the majority, there's there's a lot of talent on this team, like raw talent. It's there. Right. But it's just the organization part. It's the doing the little things. Making mental mistakes are just becoming par for the course in this team. And it's not even that bad, like penalties and stuff. It's just like giving up big plays, staring down receivers. How much did we talk about this today was – Whenever they were like, oh, yeah, we saw him staring down the receiver for three seconds, and I just baited him on it, and I knew it was going to happen. That's why he took it 100 yards to the house on a pick six. Yep. Dang, man. Little things, little coaching things that we're supposed to have Chris Winkie. He's supposed to be this quarterback guru. Yeah, he's hell of a recruiter. He's getting this great quarterback recruits, but he ain't doing much with them. Yeah. And even so, – No, go ahead. Even Winky, man, like – a lot of people were making knocks on him because he wasn't hadn't been doing great in years previous, but he has been a, a primary recruiter, I believe, on the Caden Salter, which is yep. a huge get, and then maybe a, a couple others. But coming into the season, there were a lot of people that were already calling for his head because of the lack of development at the quarterback position, and then you know a little underperforming some of the other coaches on the staff. It was like, okay, if he's not going to perform on the field, and he's not really going to be great um, off the field as a recruiter then maybe we should just ax him. But then he stepped it up, you know, getting Caden Salter. So I honestly hate to be kind of shady, but I would love to see him stay until we have Caden Salter on campus and then just cut him loose because, I mean, yeah, it's he's obviously not getting the job done. I, yeah. where, where did Winky coach at before he came to Tennessee? Because I was reading online, there was another fan base. It was in the NFL, and they were talking about how he almost destroyed um, – Whoever it was that he coached at before he played it. Where was he? I think he was. Uh, was it golf? I want to say it might have been with the Rams. I think that sounds right. No. 
See the 49ers? Mm, I'd have to look. Let me pull him up real quick. Okay. No, he was uh he was with Bama. But he was with the, No, you're right. He was with the Rams uh through 2017. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and then he went to Bama and then he came over to the staff. Yeah. And that's how I that's cuz I was I, I was like there was a correlation. I, I was I, I thought you're right and then uh, you played for the 49ers. Um, but I thought you were right, but, but that I knew there was some sort of correlation of how he met Pruitt. Hmm. And yeah. I couldn't remember what that was, but it was the year at Bama. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and he got replaced by Greg Olson after that in, in St. Louis, or I guess L.A. at that time. I don't remember where they were at. <laughs> so, whenever that was. I think, I want to say that was their first season. His, like, year with the Rams was their first season in L.A., if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I remember people talking on him about him online. They were just saying he literally almost like ruined Jared Goff's career, um, just by like basically how terrible of a quarterbacks coach he was and how he had no idea what was going on. And that's yeah. the, that always concerns me about like a defensive minded coach. I think we all kind of thought that Jeremy Pruitt was this defensive savant and that that would translate to him understanding how to coach offense and, and this and that. Um, but to me, based on how incompetent the offense has been, how he's handled Jarrett Garantano, I've lost a lot of confidence that he actually knows what's going on and how to manage the offensive side of the ball, much less the defensive side of the ball, which to me is regressed from last year to this year. So it's one of those things I'm hoping we can just chalk it up to COVID and we'll see something totally different next year, but I'm not really convinced that that's the case. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I don't know. If I can, if it's even to the point where I can use this excuse anymore because everybody else is going through it so much, I do think Tennessee's been hit pretty hard. If you want to do a ranking scale, um, especially of timing of COVID players, mm-hmm. so yeah, contact tracing, and you know, we, you've talked about it multiple times. Knoxville and you know, just the state of Tennessee has been pretty adamant about the safety and precautions too. So they are in the higher echelon of trying to do better. Um, even though the state of Tennessee is not doing great about that right now, right. but uh, that's here neither right. here nor there. But compared but, to Tuscaloosa, I mean, think about that. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Can you imagine how? I mean, I don't know what their COVID restrictions are, but I can tell you, I feel feel very comfortable placing a large sum of money that the regulations and the rules placed upon the University of Tennessee are going to be stricter than those that are placed upon the University of Alabama football team. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I don't know, man. Um, but per Homs, it does look like it's going to be uh, Florida on the ninth. Oh, wait, let me make sure I got this right. I want to make sure I got these dates correct. Because it's. it does look like we're going to get all the games made up. Florida is going to be, I guess, the actual last regular season game. It's going to be played on times, and then it's going to be Vandy, and then it's going to be Texas A&M, I think, on the 19th. Wow. So everything looks like it's going to be in play. Yeah, sorry. It's going to be UT Florida played on the 5th. So fall, you know, second fall minicamp, come on down. <laughs> and then UT Vandy to the 12th, which that could be uh, who goes home coaching fire. Yeah. You know? Yep. That really could be a chopping block game. I'd say it because will. It, I, I, one of those coaches, especially 
I really do think if Pruitt loses that game and hits about double digits, which is an amazing fact, is he has lost five straight by double digits. Come on, dude. Yeah, that's 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 astonishing. That's terrible. And it's about to be six because Vanderbilt got scooted to behind. It, I mean, honestly, it could be eight games because I think there's a good chance we lose to Florida by double digits. Um, and then is it? You you were saying it was a uh, And M after Florida? No, it's gonna be it's gonna be Vandy. Okay, Vandy and then A and M. Yeah. So, but if you're if your hopes and dreams are crushed, there's player turmoil. It could look like like it was two years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And everybody just was crushed, and they called it quits, and Vandy ran all over us. Yeah, jeez. Which hopefully doesn't happen. But I'm just saying there is that weird possibility when a team gives up on you. I sh- I don't think it's the same. I don't think the floor is Butch Jones type era where you talk about a team that just gave up. That Vanderbilt game, Butch's final season, that was atrocious. Yep. Just atrocious, man. Team gave up for everything. So hopefully it's not that. But that's our next three, man. And two of those are top ten opponents, top and definitely, I'll just I just know that like they'll be top ten opponents by the time we get there. Both of them will. Florida looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, also, how about terrible timing? Speaking of Vandy, um, they have a freshman quarterback that looks pretty damn confident. Yep, of course. <laughs> how it plays out, and you know what will happen in Florida is we'll like Kyle Trask will go down in the first quarter, and then they'll bring in their second, you know, second string quarterback, and he'll come in and he will route us he'll throw for like five touchdowns we'll be like oh great you know not to root for injury on anyone but heisman trophy yeah. out we'll have a shot at winning the game and then florida's backup quarterback will come in and inevitably throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns as we yeah. you know hang our tail between our legs and go home which nothing new for the season but you know that it's going to happen in the most embarrassing fashion whatever that is oh of course I was describing the other day going to the uh, 13-14 game. Oof. Just heartbreaking. Oof. Snooze fest. Yep. Worst, worst football game I've ever been to, no doubt. And I've been to some bad ones because I love small school football too every once in a while. But <laughs> frustrating, man. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to segue over to some basketball, which is also frustrating. I'm trying to – I was actually hoping I could figure out something in my mind to – make this happier days. Uh, Jordan Bowden got assigned to a 10 day contract or not a 10 day contract, but a two way contract. Love that. Uh, so a lot of balls from that wonderful, wonderful love team. Got some contracts. Schofield's low KC bounds Brooklyn. Mm. Uh, yeah. A lot of, and, and, you know, Alexander's with the heat grant still with the Celtics. They're doing good, man. Yeah. And wouldn't be surprised. I know our boy uh, Mike Wilson was telling us, saying today that wouldn't be surprised if seven and eight from that team with Fulke and Pons get contracts next year. So you could have seven guys from that team. Yeah. The NBA players. They'll what, get signed somewhere. What about Lamonte? Do you think he has any shot at making a uh, a D-League roster or a two-way contract? Um, I don't. Uh, it's a small guy that's – he he was a good defender, but with his injuries, I don't I don't know if they'll be 
ready for that. He'll go. He should. His best bet if he really wants to make a great career. Um, I think for now he should go overseas or I guess the G League because it is getting a little bit more prominent. You're getting paid a little bit more. It's getting a little. It's also getting more viewership. But now with COVID, I don't think so. Um, you so a lot of those guys will probably go play over in Europe. You go go get better and try to create your own path if you ever want to get back. But I, I just don't see it, man. Not not an elite enough shooter. Just not you have to be great in a lot of aspects. Right. Like your best college players are, you know, role players in the NBA at best. Like think about how much we loved Admiral. Think about how many big plays Admiral made. Think about Grant Williams, SEC player of the year, uh, college basketball player of the year, finalist. I mean, and that guy's just a solid role player for the Boston Celtics. Yeah. That's nothing against him. That's an awesome role. But that's just how it is. So Lamonte is just not great enough in really anything. And that's not a knock. Like he's obviously the best player that I would ever play in my entire life. But, uh, you know, it's just like one of those things Like when you're going against the big boys. I don't know if he has it, man. I really don't. And I hate to say that, but it's just the truth. Uh, you know, we're, we're guys like Bowden and Bone had elite level athleticism and different skill sets. Uh, th- those guys are going to make it because of pure athleticism and height and um, yeah. bones quickness is just something else too. So those guys got signed to contracts for those kind of reasons, but it's just the NBA. I, I don't see it happen um, for him. I don't know how long Bowden's going to make it because he signs. I can't what It's something like the, I can't remember what their tender is, but it's a little different. It's like a notch below a two-way contract. It's more of like you're going to be playing the G League way more, and you have the option to get brought up, but it won't be paying as much. It's just like a desperate time measure. Hmm. I think how that kind of works. But congrats to him. It's still money playing yeah. basketball. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Knoxville guy. Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But speaking of basketball, tough day in Knoxville again. When the heck are we going to play again, buddy? Because it looks like obviously the Tennessee tournament got canceled, and I don't know. Yeah, Do we play Gonzaga. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope that's not our first one. But uh, man, I, I think it was. We were talking about probably being like December twelfth. Is that the next like game that you think that we'll play? Yeah, I really do. Uh, real quick, I was actually just looking at this. What are your thoughts on this replacing? Because I, I, I do believe in you're going to have to be very flexible this year in scheduling. Yeah. This is from our homeboy, Chad Withrow, uh, the man, the myth, the legend from 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. Uh-huh. says, Tennessee Hoops should be on the phone with UTC, ETSU, UNC Asheville, and any other teams within driving distance away to try to schedule a couple of games to make up for the loss to today. Yeah. The season will be predicated on the schedule flexibility. That's a really good idea yep. because ETSU is a good basketball team. UTC is a good basketball team. Yep. UNC Asheville is usually a pretty good basketball team. I don't know this year. I, I at least know about UTC and ETSU. Yep. Um, living here in Chattanooga and then being from ETSU, I know there's some talent. So you're at least making up for those games. Uh, maybe ETSU especially, you probably do make up for just a – just as good of a game 
as you would get in a VCU and probably with Charlotte too. So those two kind of makeups would be pretty nice, right? Yeah. No, I think, I think for sure. I would love to see us play ETSU and UTC. And I think that would be a good way to kind of draw in a little more viewership from those areas that are a little further away from Knoxville. I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't mm-hmm. drastically, but people that like to watch ETSU or like to watch UTC sports, they're going to be watching your Tennessee Vols play and maybe it gives them something to root for come tournament time. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think it would be cool. And I mean, I'd love to see us play Georgia Tech or um, UAB. I mean, I think you could go a three-hour radius and you, uh-huh. you can pick up a lot of teams in that area. I mean, heck, we could go play Louisville. We could go play even a team. Um, yeah, Belmont, whoever else. Belmont, yeah, that'd be a good one. So there's a lot of good options within a three-mile radius of Tennessee. And I think a three-mile, three-hour radius within um, from Knoxville, three or four hours and I think you could, you know, pick up some some good teams that would help you have some practice before you go and play, I don't know, some of these big boys. Like, I don't know how good Cincinnati is this year, but they typically have a pretty good basketball program. And to have that as potentially your first game, I don't know that that's really what you want. But, hey. No, they're they're very – they're usually very defensive-minded. Uh, their newer coach – oh, my gosh, I'm just blanking on his name. Um, they've changed coaches, but usually that's another – Slow down, first one to 55 wins kind of teams. So um, hopefully we get some more practice in before that. Uh, how much do you think we need? How much do you think Rick Barnes and company, and also uh, prayers up to old Ricky B, he did contract COVID. So in case you haven't seen that already, but shout out to Ricky B. Hopefully all is well. Um, but how much do you think this team needs extra games before you're going in to play these big boys? You know, I think it's tough. and I, But I think with this year's team, I think you're really going to need a decent bit of time to make sure that you're ready to go um, just because you've got a fairly new rotation that you've got to figure out. You've got a couple freshmen coming in that are going to make a big impact early. Um, you've got two transfer players that are going to make a big impact early. So I don't know. Um, but I think that probably – I think it's going to take probably seven or eight games for us to really hit our stride, which in a shortened season like this could really come back to bite us. The benefit is, in addition to have maybe a rotation to figure out, you do have a lot of experience on this team. It's not like a old school Kentucky, not old school, but a Kentucky team from the last 10 or 15 years where you've got six five-star freshmen that haven't even played college basketball that you're throwing into the mix. I mean, you've got guys that have a lot of experience, but I think for this team to really fully hit its stride, you're going to have to find the right mix with Keon and with uh, Anasiki and Victor Bailey and, you know, all those other Jaden Springer, all those guys are going to have to find their role on the team. And without really those warm up games, those tune up games to figure out how they're going to factor in or figure in, I think it might hinder the level we're really able to hit. So good news is I think we'll probably hit our stride later in the season in part because of our depth that we're going to be fresh and rested as other teams are getting tired from the course of the season. Um, And then additionally, again, you know, it'll give us that opportunity to really find the right balance for this team. Yeah. I I don't, I don't know how they're going to do the restruffling of scheduling. I really do want that Gonzaga game. I just don't know if when you want it. (laughs) So, but there's a lot of prominent teams are going to play, you know, Memphis, Kansas, all that's going to be coming up. So exciting stuff for there. I just, 
I'm with you, man. I, I think there's so much continuity there's, and there's a lot to be worked out as far as time shuffling. Um, who's going to be playing what kind of minutes? Because there's so much talent in the front court that in the back court, I'm sorry, that I don't know who's going to play where. Are we going to do a three point guard system? At, sometimes is going to be a lot of dual point guard or dual combo guard plus a shooting guard type. Like, are you going to see Viscovi, Springer, and Keon Johnson all at the same time? How are you going to play Josiah in there? That's the thing. I, it's You get worked out in these type of games. You're going to have to play tough opponents and that you're missing out on BCU and Charlotte. You play tough opponents, and you figure out minute stuff. And that's what Ricky B is going to have to work on this year. And I know he's had that in the past of like, how am I going to shuffle these guys? How am I going to rotate in? Who's who plays well together? Mm-hmm. Those are all little things like you can see in practice, but it doesn't do the same whenever you're on the floor because you're like, oh, these guys can't adjust together. Or, you know, these guys look good in practice. They might run smooth, but when somebody that's way stronger comes in and starts bullying and we can't play that, that, that route, how does these teams play together if I just shuffle this guy and shuffle that guy? And so all this playing time stuff is going to be missed. And if they I have not canceled anything, as far as we know, we're recording this at about nine o'clock on Monday night. As of right now, we don't know for sure if they're playing the Gonzaga game yet. It sounds like it's going to be pushed out till the 12th, but as of right now, it's nothing confirmed. So hopefully, you know, you're not walking in against a very talented, very, very <laughs> secure and um, tenured Gonzaga team. Yeah, you really don't want that. That's not that's not what this team needs because they could crush them. Oh yeah, because Gonzaga, what they did to a not quite as talented but similarish uh, Carolina team last year, um, go into Gonzaga. <laughs> And get rocked pretty good. I mean, Carolina tried to hang in there because they're, they're you know they're talented, but it's kind of a similar situation. I think this involves team, and I say team with d- the double double exclamation points, you know, in your text message. Oh yeah, say that you know um, to emphasize the team is probably way better overall. Uh, I think there's a little bit more cohesive cohesiveness than there were on that Carolina team last year, but still, Gonzaga's good, man, real good. And I, you got you to gotta get ready for these tough opponents. I, I get that. I know you want to be thrown in the gauntlet a little bit because Kansas is coming up. Mm-hmm. But whew, I don't know. Time time to gel needs to be had, needs to be made. So I don't really know what we're going to do about that. Me neither. But I do think we're as well positioned as a lot of schools. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that we've got a lot of depth. Hopefully Rick Barnes then can just find the right rotation so that way we can – achieve everything that this team is capable of achieving moving forward. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, I think we had a fun segment here <laughs> and I'm, ex- I'm excited to hear it. All right. So we're uh, going to toss out a conspiracy here. Conspiracy theory here, folks, Michael Popper, let them have it. <laughs> All right. So we've, we've kind of hinted at this, uh, previously in earlier podcasts, never really with the intention of diving in, but one thing that we wanted to give Vol fans is we wanted to kind of lighten up the show and um, 
you know, and, and maybe entertain some crazy thoughts just for a little bit. Uh, today's crazy thought, wild topic, conspiracy theory is, Chase, do you think that Jeremy Pruitt is intentionally sabotaging the University of Tennessee program in order to receive his buyout check? Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. Um, okay, let's hear why. Okay. So here's where I'm at. I think Jeremy Pruitt is so fed up with all that's going on. He realizes he's not the right guy. He really loves being a coordinator, but he can't quit because then the money goes away. So you got to get fired. So he even does little things like says, Hey, we're not going to tell you who's going to be quarterback till Saturday. Nobody likes a tease. Nobody. If you say you are, you're a crazy person. <laughs> and he comes in Saturday and it's like, you know what? Jarrett gives us the best chance to win. He keeps giving the lines to the fans and to the national media. The ones we hate. Those little lines that we've heard for multiple weeks. He's had a great week in practice. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to front kick a door. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it's so frustrating. Everybody has said it. It's the, the main two lines we've heard all the last three weeks about this quarterback scenario. So he's fed up. He's like, man, I know I can go out and get a coordinator job anywhere. We know that can happen. He's a great recruiter. He's a good coordinator. He's like, I'm just tired of this. I'm going to screw myself out of this job. So I get fired and get my buyout. There's a lot of little nuggets being left behind. He's done. Uh-huh. Can you like, I, I, cause I kind of get it right now. You're playing terrible. Your team is awful, right? You don't love this job. You have all this pressure. You were the 29th guy on the list. Really? Mm-hmm. Whenever we got, we were doing the coaching search and he's like, golly bum. These fans are brutal. They're right. cutthroat. The media is tough because there's so many people. I mean, it's a lot like Vol Media. There's a lot of them out there. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people covering. You got to have to answer these same questions. He's getting frustrated with these questions. He's going opposite of his questions. Like last week, he almost felt sentimental and empathetic towards the fans and their frustration with this quarterback thing. And then this week, he's like, well, that's not what I do, man. I, I'm here to coach football. It's like, oh, crap. <laughs> he co- He gave his coach speak in two different versions in two different back-to-back weeks. Yep. The man wants out, but he wants his money too. So he's trying to screw himself, and that's my conspiracy theory, and I'm sticking to it. Man, we were we were texting kind of in the middle of the Auburn game, and we were all just really frustrated. It was a hard game to watch, um, in particular because the guy that was taking the snaps under center. So, you know, I – I don't want to say I believe it, but it there definitely are things that have seemed crazier to me. Um, and over time, his persistence to roll with Garantano is probably the number one argument that I could think that you could make in addition to his annoyed comments where they ask him about, well, what do you say that fa- about to fans that are questioning the direction of the program? And he kind of fires back with, ask me a football question. I'm a football coach. I'm not here to talk about that. And it's like, 
he literally was asking you about the direction of the football program. And I get that it was the fans' perception of it, but at the same time, it's like you're there to lead and take charge of the football program. So mm-hmm. it'd be like if somebody came into you and asked you about your job performance and they're like, what do you think about the fact that customers aren't really appreciating the job that you're doing? And it's like, well, I'm not really here to worry about that. I'm here to focus on my job. And it's like, well, <laughs> that's a part of it. Yeah. It's a pretty big part of it. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I get where he's coming from, but at the same time, it's answers like that. It's the impatience. It's, He's kind of a PR nightmare, and it was kind of charming at first. Cause it's like, no, nah, he doesn't care. He's just a football guy. But oh, now, yes. But now that things have gone south, it's like he doesn't give a dang about anything. And he can't coach, and he's terrible with in front of cameras. So it's like, I don't know. I hope that it works out for the guy. I'm really tired of hitting the reset button every three or four years. But Hugh Freeze is looking good, you know, and I'm – I'm definitely entertaining that thought, thinking about, I mean, this is, this is a guy that Tennessee would be his dream job. He didn't play football at the University of Alabama. I mean, and he's a Memphis high school football coach, which, you know, that means probably could recruit Memphis pretty dang well. So, yep, sure can. And that's probably what Tennessee, that's one of the things that Tennessee's going to need if we're going to be successful is to recruit the state well, and especially with the addition of all the talent that's coming into Nashville as they've seen a huge surge in population over the last five or 10 years. So, you know, if we could get Hugh Freeze, man, it would be pretty nice. Yeah. I saw a lot of articles today that are going back and forth. Some people think he does, he's got no chance of coming here. It ain't happening. And then others think that it's actually going to happen. Uh, it's very intriguing. Like how this coaching search is back in full force. If you, I mean, is Hugh Freeze going to be John Gruden? 2.0 Man. maybe <laughs> that, that that's been the most entertaining thing that we've had in a long time. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man, this has been a weird day, kind of a weird podcast. I'll be honest, you know, like it was, I think we're all frustrated. It's like a monstrous day. As far as news goes, everything being pushed out. We don't know when the heck we're going to be playing this, this freaking virus is out of control. It's done a lot of bad things here lately. Uh, in, certain people around us personal lives. So, you know, a lot of prayers up, but dang, man, as far as this, we'll stay on topic and a little bit. And as far as the sports go, this thing sucks. It's going to make, <laughs> it's going to make the, this Thanksgiving day, like the only decent game in the Steelers and Ravens. It's going to make that game suck. Yep. Um, there's going to be some missed out games this weekend with some weird shuffling early games. There's there is a ten thirty game on Tuesday morning. Wow. For Mac action. Mac action. So, Mac action. Sorry, oh I said Mac action. Mac action. So weird stuff. But man, I appreciate you hopping on the pod with me, Mike. It's been a good one, buddy. It's been a good one, man. I've loved it. Yeah. So thank you all you VFLs for hanging around listening. To all of our frustrations, we all know you're feeling it as well. So enjoy this fun time together and uh, have a wonderful holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Mike Piper. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you, Chase Green. I look forward to getting some food pics from you. Oh, you know it. Food Porn 101, baby. (laughs) So shout out to all the Thanksgiving days everywhere. It's going to be a weird one. Stay safe. Peace out.